Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Mom Hour. I am Megan Francis here with Sarah Powers. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Megan. How are you? I'm feeling good, smelling things that are good. I don't know, (laughs) touching soft sheets. It's all good. And that's because today we are talking about the other four senses. Um, You know, we've talked a lot about small comforts on the show. And we've talked a lot, a lot about our personal flavor profile preferences, I would say, Mm -hmm. with things like foods and desserts and um, beverages. But we haven't really talked about the whole sensory experience And because this is a Sunday episode, it's a more than mom episode. So we're really talking about things that are more, you know, outside of parenting topics. We're just talking about the, the whole mom and obviously the, like the clothes we're wearing on our bodies and like what we're smelling all day, hopefully not a lot of poop, um, (laughs) or other bodily fluids from small people and like what we're looking at, what we're listening to and all those things really make a big difference and can really set the stage for what things feel like. So um, to us and I, like kind of how our, our days go. So yeah. really excited about this idea. The idea actually came from Katie Parrish, who a lot of you would recognize if you're on our um, Instagram or in our Facebook group regularly. She's been a member of the community for quite some time. But we've also recently hired Katie. She's joining our team. And we're going to, we're just teasing right now that we're going to um, drop more info about what Katie's role will be um, in our social feed tomorrow. So yeah. check Instagram tomorrow and we will do an intro to Katie, but she gave us this great idea and we had to run with it. Yeah. And it is so fun to see our team growing and evolving. And so thank you to everybody who's just been excited for us and things continue to grow and evolve. So yeah, watch the Insta for more about that. I loved this idea as soon as Katie uh, tossed it out there to us because I had a really um, sensory overwhelm summer. Those of you who've been following along know I got our, we had our roof redone 
And I was like, there was constant banging and some other, just other factors. So I feel like, and I think it's a getting older thing too. I definitely feel t- more tuned into what sensory experiences are overwhelming to me and then which ones are feel really good. And I have just found it really helpful from a self-care perspective to uh, per- be purposeful about seeking out the good kind of sensory experiences, not just to be chronically annoyed by the bad ones. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I think that there's room for us to like improve our lives both ways. Right. <laughs> By like, yeah. And, and I guess, um, this is always a time that I start thinking about that. Like we're in the middle of that summer to fall transition because technically it still is summer, even though it may be starting to feel like fall, both in our, you know, routines and everything else and the weather. But that always gets me thinking about like, how, like, how do I want to set a stage and like, what do I want to surround myself with? So here's a question for us both to just kick this off to get us started. And Sarah, you can go first on this. How for you, how seasonal are your sensory preferences? Like, are you someone who has like a different playlist for summer versus winter or like can't stand to sniff a pumpkin spice candle before October or whatever? (laughs) You know, I think that's a really good question. And I think we live in this, uh, we're heavily marketed to persuade us to like adjust our, our outfits and our clothing and our candles every season. And I do appreciate kind of the opportunity that a new season provides to like update my sensory pleasures and maybe cook some different things. But really, honestly, if I'm just trucking along, living my life, I bet I'm like 80, 20, like 80% of the Mm -hmm. things that smell good to me, feel good to me that I seek out sensory wise are probably pretty consistent throughout the year with then little seasonal touches or updates. And also, I mean, let's be real. I live in an area with like not even two seasons, like 1.5 seasons. It's like (laughs) highs in the sixties, highs in the seventies, or maybe highs in the eighties, maybe. (laughs) Yeah. So like, yeah, or somewhere in between. So, um, yes, I like the idea of being sort of seasonally cued, but I think I'm a very, like, like we talked about when we talked about our energy patterns, I'm just sort of like a steady consistent. How about you? Well, maybe not surprisingly, because I do have a lot more extreme temperature shifts and seasonal shifts here. I do find myself pretty strongly gravitating towards certain scents, certain textures at different kinds of year. Um, Maybe not music so much, although I do have a beach playlist and I tend to, I think, listen to like more fun, peppy music in the summer and maybe more introspective music in the fall and winter. But, you know, who knows why that is? Um, I don't even want to look at wool in the summer (laughs) and like a floral candle, honestly, to me would seem really out of place in the winter, but I really use my home to kind of reflect what's going on outside too. And I think that's another difference about being in a place that has four very clearly delineated seasons. Um, like my tablecloths look fallish, my everything looks fallish and not just like a little bit fall, but like a lot fall, because when you look out the windows here in November, you don't see any flowers. There's no, mm-hmm. there's not even green anymore. So it would be weird to have that in my house. And I think I feel the same about like light scents and like, mm-hmm. you know, floral scents, like that's not happening outside. And so I think my house ends up becoming a reflection of inside. And that's definitely more extreme when we have more extreme temperatures. So like um, a couple of weeks ago, we had a really intense heat wave here. It was over well over 90, several days in a row, very humid, very hot. And like, I kind of didn't want to smell anything, honestly, Mm -hmm. on those days or touch anything. But if I did, it would be like the lightest of cottons. Yeah. And you know what I mean? The most wicking of fabrics. And like, I might want to smell lemon and that's about it. 
Yeah. I can see that. I will say having lived in, in Arizona where you really have to fake fall and winter. Um, otherwise it's just perma summer that the opposite can be true. You can really just lean in on sensory experiences indoors, even if they are completely antithetical to what's happening outside. And and sometimes you have to, otherwise you just miss out on entire season. So I definitely have had times where it's like 105 outside and there's like chili in the crock pot and football on the TV. Right. And it's like, well, we're, we're doing this. We are immersing ourselves in fall. Don't look out the windows, people. <laughs> yeah, yes. exactly. Pay yeah. no attention to what is happening on the other side of your air conditioned, like HVAC system. So I think both, I think yeah. both can work, but I love, I love the thought of just sort of like uh, mirroring what's happening outside. Sarah, we both know this time of year can be crazy. So this is a great time to get ahead with no prep, no mess meals from our sponsor, Factor. I love how these meals are ready to eat and delivered right to your door. I mean, you can't beat that convenience, but most importantly, they're seriously delicious. Yeah, Megan, I agree. Our whole family was impressed with the quality and flavor of Factor meals we tried. And it turned out to be a great option for my teenagers when they got home late from a theater practice or came home from school super hungry. There's zero prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. Factor meals just need to be heated for about two minutes and they're ready to go. Yeah. And for any listeners with wellness goals this month, Factor has six menu preferences to support your lifestyle. Whether you're trying to boost your protein, avoiding meat, or simply focusing on well-balanced meals. And you can pause or reschedule deliveries to fit your lifestyle. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. Head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code momhour50 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, were all comparing notes on our favorite product. Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from Our Place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built-in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our Place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as Forever Chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the forever chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's from our O-U-R place.com code mom hour. Okay, Sarah, let's start with um, sense of touch. And this one is kind of tricky because it's like the things you touch and the things that touch you and the people that touch you and the people you touch. There's like a lot of like your skin is so big mm-hmm. and like at some point you are being touched by something at all moments of all days. Like it's not something you can turn off. You can't. Yeah. Like, you know, it's just, it's just everywhere. And it's um, even like, 
a room might be quiet, but you can't get away with not touching something or not feeling right. something on your skin. So it's a big, it's a big category. So I guess I'll start by asking you, do you think of yourself, first of all, as a texture sensitive person? Um, and then are there textures you love and textures you don't love? I mean, of course, I can definitely think of textures I like and don't like, but I actually don't think it's the most dominant of my um, like sensory sensitivities. It was funny. I had friends over like a couple of weeks ago and I have these stemless wine glasses that are like bumpy on the bottom third. Um, like the glass is like kind of bubbly. And I handed it to this new friend of mine and she was like, oh, this is like so satisfying. And then someone mm. else picked up one of the glasses and was like, "Ooh, I love the texture. I've had these glasses for a year and a half. And I've never thought of like, and I, I have a glass of wine in them often. And I've never thought, oh, this is really like a, a pleasant texture. So I think it's like, it's a little bit more subdued in me. And I think other people have stronger opinions about textures than I do. That said, remember when we were talking about, you said you can often put up with something that's mildly annoying for way too long and then kind of lose your mind lose about your mind. it. Yes. Yep. I, I do think sometimes touch and texture can have, can be that way for me where it's like, gosh, why am I so annoyed? Or like, what is bothering me? And then it's like, oh, like these pants are scratchy or like, I'm not comfortable with it. I don't like this fabric or whatever. So I, yeah, I've, I definitely have opinions, but I don't think it's, I don't think I'm as sensitive. How about you? Um, I, I'm not like, again, like you, I usually can put up with a lot and sometimes things that people, other people can't, um, or wouldn't like to like, like a scratchy tag sometimes wouldn't bother me or like a seam that would bother mm -hmm. someone else wouldn't bother me. But then it's like, I know it when I see it. So mm -hmm. I, I know it when I see it, that I want it to stop and immediately away from you or like the experience or the example of your wine glasses when I can't stop touching it or I want mm -hmm. it like I like um want to chew it. That's another big thing for me. Like if it's like a gummy type thing or something with a squish to it, um, it's like I want to chew on it. It's the only thing I like I sometimes like yeah. the, the oral fixation, like not being able to put it in my mouth actually drives me a little nuts. So so yes and no. It's uh -huh. like sometimes and when it is, it's pretty extreme. Um. And then there's those in general textures, right? Like I love satins and I love washed silks. I love buttery soft leather. I love soft wool in fall and winter. Mm -hmm. um, I love like the feeling of just having shaved my legs and having them super smooth, which is mm -hmm. why I shave every day. So I definitely have like a bucket of sensory preferences, but I don't think they're particularly unique. I think they're yeah. the ones everybody has. Right. So right. that makes sense. So along the same lines, just let's name a couple of things that feel amazing to us touch wise. And I'll start with this one. So like a breeze, either a warm breeze on kind of a cool day or a cool breeze on a hot day, like something that mm -hmm. offers a little relief from an extreme to me feels amazing. Again, not unique, but like it was, that was one of the things that came to mind quickest. Mm -hmm. Um, the feeling of like your hand wrapping around a hot mug. So I think for yeah. me, a lot of times, like it's a contrast. Yeah. So the feeling is contrasting to whatever the other thing that I'm mm -hmm. feeling is. Yeah. What about well, you? I, you notice it more when there is a contrast. So the pleasure sensors would be heightened. So that would make sense. Um, I was going to say like really cool sheets on a really well-made bed. I was going to say like hotel sheets, but it doesn't have to be hotel sheets. We have right now, we have the cozy earth sheets from our sponsor a while back. I don't know if that promo code still works, but I will link it up because they are amazing. They are amazing. And if, yes. if I make my own bed really nice and tight and then just sliding into it with bare legs, like that is a very, um, that just feels really good. Um, 
new Uggs or new slippers or even sometimes new new shoes, like new um, sneakers, like something about mm. the cushioniness. I have very my feet Before are, it's been squished. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, my feet are very sensory sensitive. So really cozy and like brand that brand new fluff of new slippers, um, a chilled glass with a favorite beverage in it, or like you said, the warm mug. And I think it's the contrast there too. And I, I think it's the emotional association we have with whatever that beverage is about to be so that it's like, it's like the touch feels good because we know the taste is going to be good maybe. So yeah. 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 I love it. So Sarah, I actually almost put getting into um, bed when there's clean sheets and my legs are freshly shaved is like the best. And then you got to it first, but that's, yeah. I mean, that was like one of my big ones, like just that feeling of sliding like smooth, clean sheets with smooth shaved legs when you're freshly, like when you just took a bath mm-hmm. and so your skin is kind of like warm and it's just, that is just such a good feeling. Again, it's like the warm skin against cool sheets, mm-hmm. the contrast, but what are some sense of touch feelings you don't love so much? You go first on this one. Well, um, hair on my neck or falling down or in my face, um, that I can't Ugh. put up in a ponytail. Um, like I don't like the windows down in a car cause I don't like the feeling of my hair being out of control. <laughs> could read into yeah, that yeah. what you will. Um, I will wear my hair down if I've like chosen to wear it down. I can, I can go a whole day with my hair down, like at a conference or something. And it looks nice and I like to curl it, blah, blah, blah. But there's nothing. It's the flip side is I cannot wait for the ponytail at the end of the day. Um, elastic digging in anywhere, waistbands, but even like um, like at the ankle or like a sleeve that has an elastic or a neckline, like it it's cannot it can't be digging in. I don't I don't want that elastic like digging in line anywhere. Even how people yeah. wear a hair tie around their wrists. I don't like if it's going to make an imprint. I don't like that feeling. Um, chapped lips. I really don't like, so what about you? Like literally, as you said that I was just putting lip balm, my, my (laughs) Laneige lip sleep mask, but like, I hate chapped lips so much that I have a serious chapstick addiction. Yeah. Um, and I agree about the elastic digging in particularly the, I will wear like a super loose scrunchie on my wrist or like Mm -hmm. a super loose one. That's okay. But anything that feels like it's cutting my circulation off in any way. And that's been a challenge with some of these new elastic waist pants that we're really getting into these days. Like sometimes where the elastic hits, it's worse than like jeans. You know, it's like if it's too tight or hits, it's got to be a fit or it's got it or the elastic's got to be wide and evenly spread out because then you don't, then you have that panel. It's basically like we're wearing maternity pants for the rest of our lives because that is the, That is a sensory okay feeling for me. It can be snug, but it's like it's dis, um, distributed evenly instead of one cinch at the waist. We would have not done well in the corset days, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> no, apparently not. But corsets are relatively spread out. That's true. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Well, um, for me, I mean, I will just co-sign all of the ones that you said, but also speaking of uh, contrast, this is where contrasts get to be too much. So I'm almost always uncomfortable in the car. Um, like basically in the summer, I'm always uncomfortable in the car and often in the winter. It's because I really can't stand the feeling of air conditioning blasting on me when I'm hot or mm-hmm. heat blasting on me when I'm cold. I, heat blasting on me when I'm cold is, a, is better, mm-hmm. but it's like the feeling of having clammy, humid skin and then like cold, cold air conditioning blasting on it, even if you want it because you're hot it's so uncomfortable. And like, it just makes me 
feel very yucky. Um, and then the winter, I like the heat for a few minutes because it feels so good when you're trying to warm up, but then I'm like hot and cold at the same time. It's yeah. just, yeah. I, and you know, you're, you've said you're very temperature sensitive and I would say in general, I'm not so much, but it's when I'm being like forcibly exposed to temperature control that I don't like. Interesting. And I have, I have something similar with AC uh, especially AC, but it's actually a sound thing, both oh. in a house and in a car. I don't like that, that kind of electric hum or like the forced air sound. And then, if, you know, when you have your, um, your hood of your stove and you have the fan running cause it's been smoky and you turn it off and you're like, Oh, I forgot that it like used to be quiet in this room. Right. I, oh, that, yes. That, I, like, I don't oh, do well so when, <laughs> yeah, when there's been yeah. like a constant hum and I don't even know that it's happening. And I find AC to be like that both in a house and in a car. I just crave, it's not the temperature. It's that I crave the stop of the whooshing air. I, I want the silence for a minute. Or I want to break from that forced air sound. So yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, another one that came to my mind was because we were talking about shaving legs. Part of the reason I started to shave my legs so kind of, I mean, I'm very like very religious about it. I shave them almost every day. Um, is I really hate the feeling of like a long hair on your knee catching on your jeans. And not all jeans do that, but some of them will literally like pinch the leg hair. I, I can't explain it exactly. I know what you, you mean, ex- but I, it doesn't bother me at all. I can <laughs> oh, go an embarrassingly me- long time oh. without shaving my legs. In oh, the that winter. makes me nuts. I can't do it. And then the other one that I almost forgot, but like I just thought of it, um, hangnails or yes. rough fingernails. Cosine. I almost wrote that down. Um, it becomes almost obsessive for me. Like yes. I, I can't think of anything till I find a nail file or a nail yeah. clippers. I have nail clippers on my keychain for that reason. Like I'm never and without some, them. And sometimes it's not major. Sometimes it's just like a little, mm-hmm. like a little um chunk out of your fingernail or like a little rough spot that probably wouldn't even catch on anything. And if you could just stop yourself from touching it, mm-hmm. it would be fine. But I can't stop myself from touching it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, let's talk about now touch from others. So not like the textures and things that we're surrounded by, but like actually other people touching us. And I'm just curious how you feel, how we both feel about being touched. And I'll go first on this one. I love it. It is my number one love language. Um, but I'm pretty specific. And I've realized this over the years that some people, often other people who have touch as a high love language, just want to sort of like, uh, they just want to touch you sort of like, what's the word I'm even looking for? Like Like randomly, like mindlessly and randomly. And that can be fine unless it's annoying. And so when I started, you know, dating, there would be people who would want to like, like kind of like do this thing where they like rub on my arm and it like makes me crawl out of my skin. And I don't know, I just don't like it. Or like people who give crappy massages, I would rather they just didn't touch me at all. (laughs) Um, I like hand holding, but I only like to hold hands in like a way that's very comfortable for my hand. And I like cuddling, but like it kind of has to be on my own terms. And it Mm -hmm. works out that um, Eric is also extremely into uh, all kinds of touch. So like, I think we're both kind of specific, like particular Mm -hmm. and specific. And also we're both good at intuiting what the other person likes Mm -hmm. and he gives really good massages. So it all works out. But I have definitely had situations before where I was like, eh, just, just keep your hands to yourself. I don't want to be touched. Yeah. Um, and there's really nothing like a bad amateur massage that to make me like the, like the hair on the back of my neck stand up. 
Yeah. So what about yeah. you? Because I know I know for you, maybe touch isn't your number one love it language. It is not. It's my last <laughs> love language. And that okay. doesn't, um, listeners, we have a couple of episodes about love languages, both for ourselves and our kids. So if you like that, I'll link those up. Um, I think I talked about, it doesn't mean I, I never want to touch anyone ever, but it does mean it's the last one of the ones that the way I receive love. Um, yeah. But I'm a lot like you. I feel like it kind of needs to be... Um, I need to be in the right mood. And even for completely just platonic touch, I need to be in the right mood and headspace, um, not just for romantic touch. Um, right. I will say as I've gotten older, I think I even want personal space and, le- and less touch even more. I was pretty cuddly with my friends. I was very touchy. I think we've talked about this. Like I was pretty touchy and huggy with friends and girlfriends and groups of friends, you know, like as a teenager and young adult. And I just like, I'm not super that way anymore. Um, I love a good hug, like a really good hug, family or friend. Um, I love a good hug and my family hugs a lot. So I'm not, not anti-hug or anti-touch, but I could go, I could go without the, um, the filler touches. I think that's what you're trying to say. The kind of like, it's just petting for no reason. (laughs) Right. Yes. It's and I really like to I be, I do like to be petted actually. I just, it has to be like everything about the context. I have to be like in the right mood with the person. Um, mm-hmm. so if it is a romantic relationship, like if I'm irritated with someone and they're trying to pet me, that would be a problem. Um, like it wouldn't be a way to pacify me. Like at first we right. have to deal with the irritation yes. and then, and you know, Uh, like romantic advances, especially when I had little kids. And if I was tired or annoyed, I think maybe my, I think actually maybe I've gotten better about liking touch since my kids have gotten bigger because when they were little again, like this is such a common mom thing. Like I was so touched out. There was kids climbing on me all the time. And I was like, please no more. And so there was nothing more annoying to me than having like a romantic advance made when I was tired and touched out. But that was a pretty short you know, short lived phase of my life. And so now I just find that context matters and and skill (laughs) and skill and the other person reading what you want, like being able to to read the room and figure out what you want. So, so we're not that different. Okay. So now I wrote this question down and it made me laugh pretty hard and made me think of a (laughs) divinal song from the nineties. So the question was, do you touch yourself? Ha 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 ha. But seriously, do you ever self soothe with self touch? You go for this one. I mean, I, I had to think about it, but I realized I touch my hair constantly and I don't know if that's a fidgety thing or a self-soothing thing, but I think it is a self-soothing thing. Cause I've always had mostly long hair and I have certain ways I twirl it like the hair under my neck or I'll pull it back or I'll, I'll braid my own hair while watching TV. So I touch my hair a lot. Um, if my nails are painted, which they are beautifully right now, shout out another Olive and June sponsor shout out. Um, I will like kind of rub or like pet my nails. I'm literally is, doing that right now yes, with my, with is, like my index finger on my thumb. It's always, my thumb is the one I like to pet. Cause it's the uh-huh. most surface. Yes. Yeah. So satisfying. And it's like the opposite of picking cuticles and hang nails. So I realize like when my nails are painted, it becomes a pleasant soothing and, and uh, a healthy sensation versus like kind of an obsessive picking thing. Um, I also rub my two feet together, like almost like, like a kneading K N E A D kneading way, like a cat would. And I have done that my whole life and my friends and my sister and people have pointed it out and they call it cat feet. And I think my mom does it too. And maybe my sister does it too. So we all kind of like 
you know, if you were to wring your hands together, like in a classic, like I'm going to wring my hands. It's like I do that, but with my feet, just absentmindedly constantly. Mm. And I think that's a, I think it's a soothing thing. If, I, I love foot rubs um, and I love my feet to feel comfortable. So I think I'm just basically massaging one foot with the other. But I have done that my whole life. And I don't even think it's weird till someone else notices it. And they'll be like, why do you do that with your feet? I'm like, I don't know. I'm part cat. So that's so funny. I, until I was reading that and thinking about um, whether I have any like kind of quirks like that with touch, because I knew I grew up with a lot of like little, I don't know, little ticks and things. And two that have definitely lasted into adulthood is almost using like one finger or toe to scratch the other one. So, and with my fingers, it would look like me taking like the nail of my middle or ring finger and like kind of scratching under my thumbnail. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'll do it. Sometimes I'll go all the way down the fingers. Like I'll start with my thumbnail under my index and middle, then ring, then pinky. And then I move to a different finger. So that's just something I've always done. And I, I like to um, rub my toes together. Like I'll mm-hmm. cross my toes and it's almost mm-hmm. like I'm scratching myself. Mm-hmm. And so in yoga before Shavasana, I always have to, I'm sure like the teachers probably totally noticed me doing this. I always have to, um, because you have to lay still, like really still for a long time. And it's like, I have to prep for that. Mm-hmm. So I always like, um, clench up my whole body and then do a quick little boot, doot, doot, doot of all my fingernails. And then mm-hmm. I, and then I rub my toes together <laughs> and then so I feel you ready. can lie still. Yeah. So I can lie still. It's like, I have to get all the, it's like when you tell kids to get the wiggles out, mm-hmm. it's like, I have to get all the imagined itchies out or something. Um, so anyway, that popped into my head. Another thing that I have found myself doing, but this is much more recent. Um, after I was very newly separated and divorcing, um, and was sleeping alone and just trying to get used to sleeping in a new space. Um, sometimes cause I had a little place where I, like a little apartment where I was sleeping like three nights a week. And I was just trying to get used to the whole, every, I was very stressed. Okay. Yeah. I started finding myself doing this thing where at night I would take my fingers and like put them in the spot above your, like the bridge of your nose and forehead, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like I'm trying to mm-hmm. like, so if you were like going to pinch your nose, but move up to like the, mm-hmm. the high up on the bridge. And I would just kind of press into my like skull, mm-hmm. like we're under my eyebrows. And I would just do that and it would like soothe me to sleep. And then sometimes I would like pet my forehead. I would end up like rubbing my forehead. It was like I was doing acupressure on my own face. Or like the mothering only way. yourself is my, yes. the, like, like mothering yourself, like the stroking your forehead. That's what that reminded me of. Yeah. So I was like petting myself and like applying pressure to my own face and it really works. And so it's really stuck. Oh, and that also that year, the place I was, um, the little apartment where I was sleeping had really bright, like there was lights outside. So it was bright a lot. So I got into the habit of like covering my eyes to sleep. And that helped because if I just had like a little blockage in front of my eyes and I felt like I could sleep better and I still do it. And it's just such an effective way. Like if I lay down and put my hand over my eyes like that now and like press a little bit, I can make myself fall asleep so much faster, especially if I'm napping like during the day. And, uh, I kind of have forgotten that I still did that. And I was taking a nap on Eric's couch and he took a photo of me and it's really funny. I'll, I'll see if he'll send it to me so I can show it to you, Sarah, (laughs) but it's me. It's me like having like petted myself to sleep and you can totally, my hand is like right in that position. And so anyway, he thought it was cute, but I was like, I guess I just still do it. I don't think about it anymore. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, self-soothing. And some, I didn't start doing that until I was almost 40 years old. So I guess we hmm. do sometimes pick up little habits as we get yeah. older. Well, let's move on to scent because we just spent a lot of time 
um, talking about touch, but there's a lot to cover there. And I think scent will go a little faster, right? So let's just start with the obvious and name our favorite scents. And I guess I would say citrus is probably the biggest scent category that I universally find myself loving. Mm -hmm. Um, You almost couldn't give me like a, like a scented lotion or candle in a citrus that I wouldn't love, like grapefruit, lemon, lime. Mm -hmm. I love them all. Um, Light florals. I really do love a light floral. And then sometimes like heavier, you know, like heavier candle scents. But again, it really has to be a very specific time of year. Um, Lilacs are probably my absolute favorite scent. Mm. I love yeah. a lilac scent and it's such a bummer that they only last around here for about a month. If that sometimes it's like a really hot or dry summer, they're just dead um, really fast. But like this year, I feel like they just got, they got parched really quick. Yeah. Um, I don't know. You go, I, there's just, I feel like this is one of those categories I could rattle off a million things and none of them would be very surprising, but what are the ones that come straight to mind for you? Well, and I didn't answer this from the perspective of like a perfume or a home scent, but literally like what my favorite smells are in my nose. Um, because I wouldn't wear all of these. Um, but Jasmine, the actual real kind of Jasmine, not a perfume or a candle. Um, but if I, where I live, there's a lot of night blooming Jasmine and, and different kinds of Jasmine. You, you can walk up to somebody's house and just smell it and it's, um, it grows easily and it's not overpowering, but it just, it reminds me of home and I truly love the smell. Coffee. Um, especially like I wouldn't sniff a cup of coffee right up close. It's more like if you can walk into a house and someone's brewing a pot of coffee or you're waking up and smelling coffee. Mm-hmm. Onions cooking in butter is truly mm. one of, I think, objectively the best smells on earth. Um, I was actually going to say garlic and onions cooking in butter and yeah. forgot to and write I it like, down. Yes. I like garlic too, but I've real I've isolated it that it's really the onions and butter that work together to make the smell that I love very much. And then um, Hawaii. The whole state, the whole island, the whole group of islands has a smell that I have only now I have not been to the Caribbean or the Bahamas or anywhere. I haven't been to other island locations. I've never been to um, Tahiti or like Fiji. I've never been. any. But Hawaii has a smell that is only Hawaiian and it's part ocean, part like flora fauna it's just Mm. it smells like Hawaii and I you know have not been very many times and often years in between I think I've maybe been four times with years in between and every time you get off the plane in Hawaii you're like oh this is like there's a reason that people found this group of islands in the middle of the ocean and wanted to come here it's an amazing smell I've never been there but I would love to go smell it and you know see it and experience it and all that okay those brought up two other things for me um one being that there really is a way some places, like some places and like climates smell. Mm-hmm. And so when you said the thing about Jasmine, I was thinking about, um, you don't really get it here because it's not, it's not hot long enough or humid enough to like have that scent that just totally gets into the air and stays. I feel like things mm-hmm. here are like a lot more transient, but like the kind of, um, when you go to a place like in the South or someplace where like, there's just more time. Mm-hmm. for floral scents to just hang out and, you know, like magnolia or like, um, yes. or like honeysuckle, like mm-hmm. smells like that where they just, they get in the air and become like part of the air. And and yeah. here that's not really florals, but here's an interesting thing. The lakes here have very distinct scents. So like Lake mm-hmm. Michigan has a scent. 
And Lake Superior has a scent that is different from Lake Michigan's scent. And I actually think I like Lake Superior's better um, because it's like you're getting, you know, Lake Superior is surrounded by forests. So you're mm-hmm. getting that piney smell, but it's also yep. very fresh. It's like so cold mm-hmm. and large and vast. It's very, it's like a very fresh, unmistakable smell. And Lake Michigan often smells kind of fishy um, mm-hmm. because it's just warmer. And, and there are fish, obviously. There's tons of fish in Lake Superior, but like, I don't think you smell them rotting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Lake Michigan, you kind of can. And so it's like every now and then Lake Michigan, you'll get this waft of like kind of a dead fish scent. That's not my favorite, but I never, I never picked that up in Lake Superior. It smells like fresh fish and okay. fresh everything. It just smells like fresh. And that's like one of my faves. So I hadn't thought of that until you started talking about Hawaii. Well, what's a smell or a scent that other people seem to go crazy for, but you're like, meh. Well, I was thinking about candles and I do love, I love scented candles. I I don't mind them in the house and I'll I'll go for a variety, but I think what I don't love is scents for the home, like candles and potpourri that try to mimic food, unless it's really subtle um, and probably really high end. I think the more expensive the candle, the more you're able to get that like subdued scent. But anything that's like a candle called like sugar cookie or s'mores <laughs> or berry Gross. pie is like, I, that's going to be a nope. I don't want to want to eat my candle. And actually, if I'm burning a candle at home and feeling that cozy, I'm probably also cooking. And right. I really don't like burning a strong food scent candle. And then also filling my kitchen with actual cooking smells. Um, If I was just going to be home burning a candle and not cooking, maybe I'd feel different. But often the mood that puts me in the mood to do one, I'm probably going to be cooking or somebody's going to be cooking anyway. You know, in the fall, I am not opposed to a subtle apple or a pumpkin candle. But again, it's going to be really limited doses and not yet, people. We're recording this on (laughs) September 2nd. I mean, you can't, you all can, but I have no interest. It's, it's almost like I want to delay the, the satisfaction of that cozy, those cozy fall scents. And same with when it becomes close to Christmas. I love, I love it as much as the next basic lady on Instagram, but I don't love it too early. It makes me feel anxious. Like, no, 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 it's not time yet. And that's just for me. Right. So how about you? Well, I, I'm seconding everything that you say. Um, I, I wasn't able, like when I came up with this question, I didn't put it quite in that. Like I didn't figure out why there was a certain category of scents I don't like, but basically any candle or potpourri or um, hmm, spray, say like a room spray or something uh-huh. that's trying to mimic a food scent typically smells disgusting to me, unless it's yeah. lemon, like lemons. Okay. I think that the citrus category is a little bit different. Um, I agreed. It usually smells very chemical and fake to me. Mm -hmm. So like a sugar cookie candle is almost certainly going to have this like weird, like they're trying to make it smell warm somehow, but it smells like chemicals and it's gross. And Mm -hmm. like, I also don't even really like apple or pumpkin candles because they don't smell actually like apples or pumpkins. They smell like some kind of like, um, kids chewing gum version, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, uh-huh. like grape, like grape hubba bubba doesn't really taste like grape or something right. like grape. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, that's what it's like to me. And so I tend to pass those over for other kind of, I don't know, cliched false scents. Yeah. And, um, and it's why the, the first one I wrote down was vanilla or cinnamon. I actually love the smell of real vanilla and real cinnamon, but both of those things got way overdone 
in candles and body lotions mm -hmm. and especially vanilla, like in the nineties, like there was vanilla and everything, but it was like a fakey gross vanilla. And also I don't want to have it slathered on my body. Like, well, yeah, you don't want to like smell like you just rolled around in cookie dough for sure. I right. feel differently about vanilla in a candle for my home though. For me, it feels almost like a neutral, a good vanilla candle is like the ones that are called like clean linen or like fresh oh, right. breeze. It feels like maybe because it's been so overdone, I feel like it's just neutral and it mixes with other scents that might be going on in the house. So I will say I am okay with a good vanilla candle. I feel differently about that than I would about the sugar cookie or the berry pie or whatever. Well, I'll just end with saying that there's another kind of category of scent. And that is like that hippie scent, like patchouli, yeah, sandalwood, like blah, blah, blah. And I, it's just, there's something about it that my nose just doesn't like. I agree. And that's not to say I haven't ever smelled like an incense and been like, Ooh, what's that? And someone says it's sandalwood. Oh, wow. Okay. Or like a, a sandalwood box might smell amazing, mm -hmm. but there's something about like overly woody and herbaceous scents that sometimes are just bit, a bit much to me. It's like a punch in the nose. <laughs> exactly. Right. And not a pleasant one. <laughs> not one that you would ask for. No. Okay, Megan, like many of our listeners, I'm sure I've been doing some spring cleaning in my closet lately, and it always feels so good to get rid of clothes I'm not wearing, things that don't fit or that aren't my style anymore. But you know what I realized? All of my Vionic shoes are always in the keep pile. They just tick all the boxes. They're cute, comfy, high quality. They last forever. And I love growing my Vionic collection, especially with the latest styles from their Vionic Vitals collection. The Vionic Vitals collection offers daily wear styles designed for elegance, comfort, and versatility. We both love the Uptown Loafer, which collapses flat, so it's perfect for travel. The Chardonnay Heeled Sandal, which I know you love, Sarah. The Walk 23 Classic Sneaker, which our team member Katie gets compliments on all the time. And the Willa Slip-On Flat, one of my favorites, which comes in 12 colors for any outfit. Yeah, I need to uh, get the Willa Slip-On Flat. That's next on my list. Well, listeners, if you're ready to try the shoes we're always raving about, use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Sarah, our sponsor, Haya Health, makes a kid's daily multivitamin that parents can feel great about giving their kids because they have no added sugars or dyes. And our kids who have tried Haya vitamins have loved them, which is important, right? Because what good is a bottle of vitamins that your kid won't take? Haya was founded by two dads who didn't like the ingredients label on some of the popular children's vitamins they were seeing on store shelves. So they got to work developing a formula that would help fill the most common nutrient gaps in modern kids' diets. Haya's Chewable Kids Vitamin is made with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. They're also vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, and nut-free. Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship their chewable vitamins directly to your door on a pediatrician-recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H.com slash MomHour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Okay, Sarah, so let's kick off this half by talking about sound. And, um, you know, again, it's something we're immersed in all the time, but like you were talking about with the air conditioning unit and not mm -hmm. always knowing 
that it's noisy until it's not noisy anymore. Do you have any particular preferences or quirks when it comes to sound? Yeah, I mean, that is a big one. So like a, an ever-present hum or especially if it's electronic and not nature's breeze or something. Right. Um, so like like out like leaf blower, even if it's far away, some kind of um, constant man-made noise that you can talk over, you can hear over, but it's just there for an extended period of time is really hard. It makes me, puts me on edge. I also don't really love background TV noise. And the only time we have background TV noise is when it's sports. And I can be very sound triggered by like a lot of whistling or certain types of sports. And I am married Mm. to a big sports fan. And I, I will notice every once in a while, I'll be like, oh, could we just can we put it on mute if, if, if we're not actively like listening to them call the game and someone will hit mute and my body will just be like, Oh, I don't mind having a game on. I like sports. It's that it's the backgroundness of it. Now, if a different experience would be to sit down and watch a game, I'm fine about turning the volume up. Like I'll cheer. It's the, it's the needing to multitask and do other things while there's like random cheering and whistling. And then the commercials, like when commercials come on TV and everyone goes to have a conversation, but there's like this other thing happening. So I think it's the, it's the pull of focus that Mm. makes me kind of on edge with sound. Um, not necessarily the volume, but more something that's happening concurrently while you're trying to do the rest of your life, if that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So I guess I would just say that I have always liked sounds to be not jarring that, I mean, it's not necessarily, and you, you touched on this. It's not necessarily about like the volume of it though. It can be, um, I've just, you know, I remember going to like parades as a little kid and hating sirens, mm-hmm. hating like loud sounds. Like I don't like the pop when you open a biscuit can. Like I, I just like any jarring sound is bothersome to me. And someone who works as someone who works in sound all the time, I love silence. I spend a lot of time listening to nothing and, mm-hmm. and, and loving silence. Um, tinnitus runs in my family and I am starting to experience it. Um, I actually, I think I've always experienced it. Like I remember as a little kid feeling like that my ears were ringing, but, um, I'm starting to notice it more frequently and more Mm -hmm. noticeably. And that's a bummer because I like silence, but when you have tinnitus, silence is no good because then all you can hear is the ringing in your ears. And I don't know if it's something that, I'll have to have addressed at some point, or if it's something that just gets worse with you with age, I really don't know for sure. But like right now I am aware of a very light ringing in my ears, but because I'm talking and you're talking, it's like, I kind of don't notice it. Right. Right. Um, I think my brother who's only four years older is to the point where he's falling asleep with earbuds in listening to something else to drown out the tinnitus. So it's like, I really don't want to get to that point. I don't think my sister is like that. So hopefully I won't be. Um, but it's a bummer because I like silence. I like hearing nothing or I like, I like the gentle ambient noise of like going for a walk with nothing. We talked about this recently in an episode, not having anything in my ears to listen to, but just hearing my surroundings. And Mm -hmm. I like that. Um, but that's when my surroundings are pleasant and not drowned out by ringing. So we'll see. I'll, I'll keep you posted about how that plays out. Cause what a bummer to not be able to enjoy the sounds Mm -hmm. of silence. When there's no silence anymore, right? Um, well, okay. So then, I mean, you guess that you kind of touched on this, but, and I can go first. Do you like music up loud or quiet? And I wrote, I've always been an old woman in that I've never liked loud music. Um, I like music. And when I'm really into it, I might turn it up to like middle loud. 
right? Mm-hmm. But I've always liked basically anything I'm choosing to listen to to be quieter. I don't love surround sound. I don't love like super loud home theater systems. I don't even really like being in the movie theater and having the sound really loud and music, same thing. And um, the first concerts I went to, I would like want to kind of hide. I really didn't like having the music coming full blast out of the speakers. And that's just how I've always been. What about you? I, I think I'm exactly the same. The only thing I can maybe think to say differently is that if I'm by myself and like really wanted to sing aloud to something or really wanted to just immerse myself, I might selectively turn something up for a short period of time. Like you're going to blast your favorite song in the car or in the shower because the mood calls for it. But I would in general, I I'm, I would prefer silence or very low volume. And I'm the same about um, concerts and loud music. And that surprises me a little bit about you only because I think of you as a concert person and like a, like a, a more is more like an extrovert. So I didn't, I don't think I knew that about you with music specifically that you don't really like loud music. Yeah, I do. And I can be kind of carried away by the mood. There's definitely been shows I've been to where like I get into it enough and this, and it's not, I'm maybe far enough away from the speakers. Yeah. Um, and I'm enjoying myself so much that like, it's kind of like, turn it up, man. But I have never been someone, I can be a little bit of an enigma sometimes because I've never been someone who like threw myself into like the loudest music. And yeah, actually I have a very specific memory of, um, falling asleep on a friend's floor when I was like a teenager and they had it's Friday. I'm in love by the cure playing Mm -hmm. over on like on repeat about five notches louder than I would ever listen to music at night. And I'm not someone who listens to music at night. I guess that's another question. Mm -hmm. Can you fall asleep to sound or not? I need silence. I cannot fall asleep to any sound at all. I can fall asleep to a TV show in the background that I'm not interested in or Mm. We use white noise sometimes because we sometimes sleep with our windows open and I live like in the forest kind of in a weird way. So there's (laughs) like a lot of like coyotes and roosters. um, So I can sleep with some some man-made white noise that's meant I'm picky about it. We finally found one that we like. Um, So white noise or TV. I would prefer not to sleep all night like that because it would be real weird if I woke up and there was still that sound that would be jarring for me. But I can fall asleep with something like that. I don't need complete silence to fall asleep. Okay. And I, and I like white noise too. Like if it's like you said, the right white noise, but something like a murmuring voice in the background or like something like that would be hard for me. So imagine like listening to loud music as I'm trying to sleep was impossible. Yeah. If I'm actually, as an aside, if I'm sleeping, like, because I, you know, a lot of people do like to fall asleep to the television, but if I'm falling asleep, like my sister really likes to fall asleep with the TV on. Mm-hmm. And if I'm, do, I think. if yeah. I'm sleeping at her house, I'm like two rooms over with the door shut and I can fall asleep. But if I start to wake up and I hear that wah, wah, wah in the background, it's very disturbing to me. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I almost, I'll put earbuds in sometimes just so I can't mm-hmm. hear it. So, um, yeah. So anyway, I guess the point is like, it's the jarringness that, that I don't love, mm-hmm. which, and then also, you know, we also have already mentioned trying to process two sounds at once, which leads me to the question or not even two sounds, but like a sound and something else. So do you turn the volume down on your radio when you're looking for an address? (laughs) Totally. I need, I actually, I don't even need to be looking for an address. I, I've noticed with the kids in the car wanting to listen to their music. I don't let them turn on music for the first minute or two. And then I turn it off about a minute or two before we get where we're going. Even if I know where I'm going, even if I don't need navigational help, 
And it's something about the needing to concentrate or think about or or talk to the kids about where we're going, what we're doing. Do you have your water bottle? Like, I can't do that kind of administrative driving and listen to music. So for me, it's it's volume off at the beginning and the end of almost every drive. Well, yep, me too. hundred percent. Like I even the young, like the first time I got in a car and drove probably after dark, too. So if it's dark, all bets are off. If it's dark. I almost can't even have the radio on at all unless I'm like on a highway or like mm-hmm. totally know where I am. So like throwing the dark in adds like another sensory issue. Um, but even just driving and trying to know where I am. And I think recently we had when we were doing an episode about house rules or I believe it was for road trips morning. or travel. Morning. Yeah. Was it mornings? Well, about not. Yeah. When mom's backing out of the driveway. Yes. That that's one. What it was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 And I mean, I'm the same way. Like, please don't talk to me when I'm backing out of the driveway. Please don't expect to hear anything. It's yeah. Yeah. It's like having two things at once. Yes. Agreed. Well, let's, let's transition into sight because I think we're going to see some similarities, um, some parallels between these two. So let's just start with like, I don't know, lighting. It's all around us. It, it sets a mood. I know you're very into moods, Sarah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just would love to know if there's anything about lighting and, and I'll start. Um, one thing that I really notice about, about lighting is like, when it contrasts with something else. So I don't mind. I actually am fine with watching TV with the lights on, but if it's like after dark and I'm trying to relax, I really want the lights off. Mm -hmm. I know other people who can't have the lights on or sorry, off at all when they're watching TV because they'll get like nauseated. So I think that there's like a big range here of what your preferences are, but for me, it's like the re- like if I'm sitting in the middle of the day just watching TV, it's fine if the lights are all on. But if I'm trying to like relax and get ready for bed, I want the lights off so I can focus on the TV. It's really yeah. hard for me to, you know, not do that. Um, yeah. yeah. So I'm wondering, do you have any other specific preferences about lights, lighting? Yeah, I like a lot of light indoors in my house, and I'm I'm equal opportunity natural light and man made light. At the same time, I am constantly opening blinds. I know we've talked about this. I can't remember what episode it would have been, but constantly walking into rooms and adjusting lights. So I like it bright if I'm in there, but I try to turn them off if I leave and I might lower the blinds at a different time of day. Um, So I like indoor lighting. I think about it a lot. Um, And then I hate the sun in my eyes. And we've talked about Mm. this too. Um, I, but I've never met anyone who's quite triggered like I am. So if you're out there, I'm, I I would love to know because it makes me feel almost, it makes me feel anxious for sure. And a little bit, a little bit ragey, which is like a really weird reaction. Um, like a little panicky, I guess more than ragey. Um, and I have a really hard time if I'm going to be prolonged with the sun in my eyes, especially if I like, if I don't have a choice or a way to get out. Um, and, and even, even if it's not in my eyes, really bright, direct outdoor light, is hard for me. I have to have sunglasses, but even if I have sunglasses, I just find myself craving shade. So Arizona was, you know, pretty tough on me. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so yeah, I would say it's a pleasure, sensory pleasure indoors because I like to set a mood with lighting and it feels like a sensory onslaught outdoors most of the time. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't like sun in my eyes, but I think I'm probably not uh, crazy as me extreme about it. And, and I was thinking about like my preference for like natural light or not. And I think I have a strong preference for natural light whenever possible. And I find myself. 
So I want to put my blinds down at night because it seems like the thing to do. And also as someone who looks in other people's windows at night, I know people are looking (laughs) in my windows at night. But the first thing I want to do when I wake up is put those blinds up. And then I really don't want them down at any point during the day. Even if it means there's too much light coming in, I would rather have too much light coming in than like have block light that could be coming in. And and that might also be a little bit because of where I live. Like we just don't get as much. It's like, I feel like I need to greed up on it Yes. Um, because there's so many, there are so many months where it's just gray a lot and we just don't get that much light. So um, I feel like on a sunny day, just give it all to me. Give it all to me. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I, I do want sunglasses on. Um, just as an aside, since I mentioned, you know, like watching TV with the lights on or off, how do you feel about 3D movies? And I'll just go first. No, no. I feel no about those. I feel no about that too. They make me really sick and they make me really annoyed. Me too. It makes me feel it's that same like crawling out of my skin feeling. And actually any high action movie. I I will pass on any high action. I can tolerate suspense and like scary movies before I can tolerate high action. Um, I just went and saw Jungle Cruise with uh, The Rock and Emily Blunt couple weeks ago and I thought it was cute. It was fine. It was good. I, it was better than I thought, but the, there's like always an action scene toward the end. Right. And it's one of those movies where there's CGI and you can tell it was probably made to also be a 3d movie. There's that certain, uh, there's that tell. Uh-huh. And at the end it was getting late at night and I've been going to bed a lot earlier. So I was ready for bed. I had to shut my eyes. I was starting to feel not just nauseated, but like I wanted to curl up and just go to sleep. Mm-hmm. And so I just closed my eyes for like 15 minutes of the movie <laughs> because I couldn't handle it anymore. So it was like the combination of lights off, looking at a screen, loud noise, big screen, CGI, 3D, you know, wasn't 3D, but it was like trying to be 3D. It was way too much. And I was just done. Mm-hmm. Um, that leads me to another side question, Sarah, that I'm curious if you are as sensitive to this as me. You know, a lot of people have really nice TVs at home now. I, I did not notice this problem before say five years ago when suddenly everybody had an HDTV at home, but Mm -hmm. now you can control the speed on your own, on your own television set. And some people have their speeds set wrong. So you will be watching like a sitcom, but it looks like a home movie. That's the only way I can put it. It's like, it's like the speed that's supposed to be for a, a, like a football game, but you're trying to watch a movie at that speed or, you know what I mean? It's just wrong. I, I've seen that. I know the phenomenon of which you speak and it it did crop up a lot when people started to get new flat screen, like high yeah. def TVs. I didn't know it had to do with speed. That's interesting. I, think, I did think it uh, yeah. was a setting of some kind and it does. It looks like soap opera cinematography for like yes. not soap opera. It's really weird. I okay. believe it is when I believe it's because you can set the speed to like the proper like what the use is, like what the utilization Mm -hmm. is. And I've actually noticed it kind of a lot at people's houses who watch a lot of sports when they don't switch. And and that's just a guess. I could be wrong about like the reason, but like, that's when I've noticed it. Like people bought this TV to be able to watch like football. Right. And it looks great when it's football, but then you try to watch a movie and I'm looking around me going, does nobody else notice this? It's like, I'm the only one in the room who can't even focus because I'm so bothered by it. I would love to know if there's anyone like in the audience listening who a is bothered by this too, but B knows why it happens because I'm not hundred percent sure why I just know it drives me batty. Yes. And it-, and it drives me batty too. And it happened. And I know exactly what you mean. 
but I'm still confused about how it could be speed because the people aren't talking slower or moving slower, or is it just so micro that we wouldn't notice that, but we know it, we notice it visually. It's like the, the shutter speed. Some, I don't okay. think it, I don't think it affects the speed of okay. the, okay. of the program. That it's sense. like the shutter speed or whatever uh-huh. the um, equivalent of that would be. Yes. It's like a lighting aperture type thing. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and yeah, you can choose from now multiple different speeds and okay. like settings. And I just think, I just think some people aren't bothered by it. It doesn't bother them. And I can't even believe it. I'll just be like, oh my goodness. Or maybe they're like, well, that's weird, but they don't know why. So if you ever watch TV and you feel like you're like, you feel like you're like inside, like you're right. Soap opera mm-hmm. is how it feels. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's wrong. Yeah. We've all been conditioned to know that certain kinds of speeds go with certain kind of programming and to then to have it turned around like that is very strange. I agree. We should all fix this. We should all work on this as it's a national problem. It's an international problem. I'm sure. (laughs) All right. Last question. And that is Sarah, you can go first on this one. Do you have, um, favorite colors and or patterns? Oh, I love that question. Uh, I have always loved a deep teal in home decor. I have a new chair. I I, uh, did a little Instagram story about it last night. So some of you might have seen it. Um, I have always loved a real red, like a real cherry red or fire engine red. But I just objectively love that color. I don't I don't wear it or decorate with it as much. I just it makes me happy. A true red. Mm. Um, and then I can be very swayed by what's in style. So like a few years ago, maybe five years ago, like mauve and do you say mauve or mauve? I say mauve, but it's one of those words where I feel like I should be saying mauve, kind of like grocery I always versus say grocery. Mauve, okay. And I'm an Enneagram one. So I feel like I'm right all the time. So but I could be wrong. <laughs> um, I always say mauve. So the mauves and the ro- the blush pinks came back like five years ago. And I was like, what? This is really weird. And now I think that's a gorgeous palette. So I I definitely like I'll be into whatever color palette is next. It seems very beigey right now, very beigey and tan um, in both clothing and home decor. And I'm sure I will come around and love it. Um, in terms of patterns, I I I, I like pattern, um, but I, I think I'm a little more. I just go with the flow on that one. I don't have like right. a signature or a favorite pattern that I just love. Oh, I will say this, though. I have a really hard time. I have like a personal policy against camo and it has nothing to do with <laughs> like, I respect those. It's not about hunting or like camo. the military. Like, yes. No, it's not at like a political stance, but it feels weird to me to purchase something for myself to wear or decorate with or a notebook or whatever it might be a backpack. It feels like, yeah, but I'm not, I, I'm not. I don't but isn't it camo. funny how like, that's become such like a, 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 especially in women's clothing, it's become like, it's everywhere. It's just like a, a polka dot or a stripe. Yeah, but I, I know I actually like won't wear it. And it feels like it feels like it is something political or something. It's not. It's just like I, I don't I don't wear or buy camo. I have a weird, totally weird hang up about it. I'm not sure where that comes from. Pink camo is even weirder. I yeah, but then it seems like well that's not really camo, but I won't buy I won't buy pink camo either. So it's totally I, it's fine funny. if others want to do it. By the way, <laughs> I bought a set of face masks last year that was like all you know like they came it was like six in a package and I could only see the one on uh-huh. each end or whatever. And one of them was camo, and I like stuck it at the bottom of my purse. I was like, I'm never gonna wear this, like whatever. And then of course I went someplace and I couldn't find any of my other masks, and I had to wear the camo mask. And I put it on. I'm like, it's actually really cute because those colors look great on me. So like a, uh-huh. a navy green and like all of those like 
I don't know, kind of neutral, like forest yeah. greens. Those all look really good on me. And there was something, I was just wearing like a plain black outfit or something. It looked so cute. And then I was, I'm also, I'm not repulsed by it. It's just weird. Like I live in a place with a lot of hunting. Um, so to, it feels like I'm posing. It's like, that's I, feel what, like yeah, I think that's what I, yeah. What I feel yeah. about it too. Yeah. But you know, I also feel weird about, um, wearing like animal prints. I know. I used I'm to. also not an animal. I used to, and I used to have kind of the same thing about like a leopard print and that slowly fell away. And I have a few subtle, subtle leopardy or not so subtle. I have a few leopardy things now, but I, I held out on that one for a long time too. I felt weird about that too. I had bought, um, I don't know, probably 10 years ago, I bought a jacket that I thought was so cute and it had like, um, it was black and white, but the print, the print was something that wouldn't usually be black and white. Like maybe cheetah. I can't remember. Mm -hmm. It was some animal print that usually wouldn't. So it was like black and white, but then it was a different animal's print. And I was like, oh, this is so cute. I'm going to wear it. I was wearing it out and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm getting so many compliments. And then I started to realize that all the compliments were coming from women like 55 and up. (laughs) And then I was like, well, I guess this is going back in the closet for a while. (laughs) So So maybe we're growing into animal prints. I I think I am probably. Yeah. 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 Okay, so I'll answer for myself. I also love teal. I guess it doesn't surprise me that we both do, but I'm also very like um, prone to the things that are in in style. But I would say I've loved teal even when it hasn't been in style. Mm-hmm, me too. Um, my so Jenna's grandma, um, she passed away last year, but before she died, she lived in this house for like I don't know fifty years. Like she raised all her kids in this house and had lived in it. And I think she had had it redone. It was like very mid-century and she had had it repainted whenever the last time before now, like teal was in, mm-hmm. um, or like, it was like, almost like a turquoise teal. And sometimes I get the two a little confused, but like everything, like cabinets, everything in this house was like mm-hmm. this teal color when teal was decidedly out, but mm-hmm. I loved it then. And I was like, oh my gosh, I hope she never, like, I hope mm-hmm. she never paints it. And I think eventually she sold the house and someone painted it. Yeah. And I was like, I get it. Like. People need to keep their houses in so that they look like they're in style. But um, yeah, I loved that teal. Um, I am lit lately. I am loving pink and navy together. I've always been drawn to both navy and pink. I love a really power pink, Mm -hmm. although I don't wear it all the time. Or I would say it's actually been years since I've owned. Like I don't think of you wearing pink. I used to have like a bright pink dress and a bright pink, like button down shirt that I loved. And I just love those, that color. I just haven't owned it in a while. So it's really not about owning it. But, um, recently I've seen a lot of pink and Navy paired together. And I think that's great. Um, I also love mustard with teal, but I know that's, there's nothing unique about that. That's everywhere right now, I guess to, you know, to your point, like the more I see something, the more comfortable I get with it, the more comfortable I get with it, the more I like it. So we're all, Mm -hmm. you know, we're all we can't all be trendsetters all the time. Nope. Nope. Some of us just go The along. trends need us to follow them. <laughs> yeah. And actually, just as a side note, you know, my friend Katie is like a color design specialist. She works for uh-huh. KitchenAid and she does, that's what she does. Like she studies color trends and, and she's like, you know, we all think that, that color trends are this thing that happen and they're kind of like a flash in the pan, but she's like, you can see them coming like 10 years in advance. And they take like, they take like a decade to cycle through. Yeah. So, that makes sense. yeah, I mean, you can see that something starts to get introduced in like small ways and then it becomes like, you know, the new whatever, like Navy is the new tan is mm-hmm. the new black or whatever. And then um, and then it slowly gets replaced by something else. Yeah. Um, and I think colors on. also come back for short periods of time, like a season or two. Yeah. 
And then other times it's a big sweeping. Like I remember when I remember like 10 years ago, neon came back briefly and I was like, wait, neon's back. And then it didn't last very long. And now neon can like they're now like certain things are neon-y again. So I feel yep. like they it, and then some some are bigger swings. Like I feel like chocolate brown was a, a neutral that was very popular for a longer period of time. And then it was gray. And now the beiges are back. So I don't yep. know. I think it's fascinating. It is. And, you know, there's not that many colors like there's a <laughs> lot of true. There's a That's lot true. of color, like shades and tints and stuff, but there, there's not that many colors to start with. So right. we only have, we can only cycle through so fast <laughs> and then end up back where we started. And so right. and that's where you see these, like, like a mauve instead of a, like, instead of a brighter pink or, mm-hmm. you know, a navy instead of a teal or voice vice versa. Yeah. It's like, they're both blue. Yeah. I mean, you know, um, I guess just to round off this part, um, talking about, uh, patterns. I really love plaid. Mm-hmm. And I, I do find that the kind of plaid I'm drawn to is trend, um, not dependent, but is definitely influenced by trends, but like a good classic plaid or like a Buffalo plaid, I will never get sick of. I just think I, I like them all the time and I can't think of a time I have it. So, um, yeah, that that's to me, those are like safe. <laughs> Whereas, yeah. uh, camo and animal prints, yeah, a little less so. All right. Well, this has been fun getting back into our more than moms. You know, we took a break over the summer as we have the last couple summers now. And it's nice for us, but it's also nice to be da- back talking about fluffy stuff. Yeah. And we'll be back Tuesday talking about kids activities, which I know so many of us are like in the thick of that right now. So looking forward to it. Talk to you soon. The Mom Hour is supported by partners like Erica. Erica is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug when they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. Erica was built by a dad of three boys who saw that teens themselves were really becoming self-aware to the risks of social media, and he wanted to help them self-regulate. Erica works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. Sarah, I started a Substack last spring just kind of as an experiment and it turns out I love it. I'm treating it kind of like an old school blog, writing about things that are happening in my life. Megan, I've loved following your stuff on Substack, and I actually just really like Substack in general. You know, we've both been a lot less active on Instagram lately, and I'm finding that Substack scratches that itch to connect and create without all the busyness of a typical social media feed. So I would love it if Mom Hour listeners wanted to look me up there. I'm at meganfrancis.substack.com, and that's Megan with two A's, M-E-A-G-A-N francis.substack.com.